VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer, the Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact, Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, and former Philly radio personality Bruce Wirt. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter, too, at VOC Nation. Entertainment with an attitude. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. Kamala, how are you on this fine Saturday morning? I'm doing real good to be a young man. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Kamala, thank you for being on Ringside Radio right here in the great city of brotherly love, and you had to have some good matches here in Philadelphia. Yeah, I had a lot of them, you know, with Andre the Giant, Hogan, uh, uh, George Steele, a lot of different guys. I had a lot of good matches there. George Steele will be on this fine program next week. Yeah. Yeah, we stress in the spectrum. You know they're tearing it down, right? Yeah, I heard it. They built a new building, I heard. Yeah, it's very unfortunate because, uh, like you mentioned, there was a lot of great matches performed there. Yeah. Hey, Kamala, what got you into professional wrestling? What What made you want to be a wrestler, and when did you start doing it? I started doing it in 1978, but I didn't really want to be a wrestler. I, want, I like watching wrestling, but... uh. One thing, I couldn't find a job, and I was with Bobo Vazia, you know, he's deceased now, and uh, Bobo started kind of training me, and uh, that's how I got into it. But my first match was with, uh, who gave me the break, was uh, the great Mephisto. Mm. And so after I got into it, you know, I needed a job, and I thought that would be a quick way to get in and make me a lot of money, get wealthy, and get right back out of it. Because, you know, I didn't want to be a wrestler myself. But I did it anyway, and I was going to try to make the best of it. And wrestling was, uh, obviously, it was very, very territorial back then. There was different territories around the country. Where did you break in? What section of the country? I was in Mississippi. It was a little, uh, I can't even think the name of the promotion. though. It was a little small promotion. We just ran, we ran five days a week. But it was just uh, right in Mississippi. So it was a little small territory. Very good. Kamala, you know, we talk a lot about uh, 80s, the 80s and, and some of the, the stereotypes that, that wrestling kind of uh, played on back then. And that gimmick, the, the, gif- the gimmick of you being, um, you know, the African giant and wearing, wearing that garb and, and painting yourself like that, was that your idea or was that, was that uh, something that Vince McMahon did to, to play on that, that African stereotype? No, actually it was, uh, I had started, I used to live in London, and I had started painting myself over there because I, I used to live in Africa too. And uh, I had started painting myself uh, like that, but anyway, after, uh, after a year or so, I moved back to Mississippi, and Jerry Lawler came up with the Kamala idea, uh, when he spelled it K-I-M-A-L-A, and I changed it to K-A-M-A-L-A. So actually it was Jerry Lawler's idea. 
Hey, Kamala, I wanted to ask you about your um, your legendary feud with Andre the Giant. And one of the notables is that you are one of the few men to actually have slammed Andre the Giant. And thankfully, we do have that footage today. I wanted to ask you what Andre was like and what do you think of your feud with him, both in the independents and in uh, the WWF? Andre, uh, Andre, he he's not the uh, friendly guy that he appeared to be. Uh, Andre was uh, he was real temperamental. He had a real nasty attitude. But uh, I, when I first worked with him back in 1982, uh, he called me a name in the ring. That was my first time ever being in the ring with him. And uh, you know, I beat him up. I don't know if you heard about that or not, but I beat him up right in the ring. And we never had a problem again, and I worked with him all over the world. And we, we never had another problem. But got other guys, you know, the, you know, top guys, he would go out there and he would just mop the floor with them, treat them any kind of way, treat them like a dog. And he would do some of the fans that way. Well, you know, that's one of the things that the Iron Sheik always talks about, Andre, is that um, – uh, even Pat Patterson said when Andre first started out, he was a pretty nice guy. And uh, then later on in his career, he became very nasty uh, to both wrestlers and the fans. Um, so that's definitely well documented and noted. One of the things, your cage match with Andre, that was actually on one of WWF's old uh, Coliseum video packages, a uh, very, very heavily edited version. But you took, he, he did the splash on you, the chest splash, from the top rope, you guys had a cage match. So that's how Andre was able to get to the top rope. Were you scared or nervous? Because I couldn't imagine laying down, and, and, and even though he is a professional wrestler, uh, being able to take a chest splash from him. Were you scared or nervous? Yeah, I was, because uh, that was the first time we had done that, uh, even though I had worked with him a lot of time. And then, uh, you know, I thought maybe that, you know, some of everything went through my mind. I said, well, uh, he might try to get me back from beating him up back in 82. <laughs> so, anyway, you know, that big song gun had a, a, you know, put his weight on me. He could have killed me there. He could have crushed me. But he didn't, and I was scared, though. But I did it anyway, and I barely felt him. Was he heavy? Like, how did you slam him? Because, like I said, we do have the footage. You slammed him in one of the independents. You're one of the few men uh, that was able to slam him. Uh, how did you do that? And, and was he heavy? Yeah, he was heavy, but at that time, I was I was just 32 years old. And, uh, you know, with his help, you know, I, it made it easier. So uh, he called that spot himself. And, uh, you know, I was surprised. For, I was surprised he called that spot. That was at Mid-South Sports. Uh, for Cowboy Bill Watson. Yeah. And uh, I slammed him. After I slammed him, I was surprised myself. I didn't know what else to do. <laughs> hey, hey, Kamala, you talked about, you know, kind of shooting with Andre and, and things getting a little little close to reality there. And we all know wrestling's very scripted now. But how often does that happen? How often do two guys in the ring with each other kind of let, let reality get in the way and, and get legitimately upset at each other and uh, it becomes more real than it's supposed to be. I've heard of it. I never uh, just actually saw it, but uh, uh, it happened to a lot of guys in the ring. They get disgusted, get mad with one another, uh, one trying to steal the glory from the other one, and uh, they uh, kind of, you know, shoot for real. But now Andre, he would do it just about every night with different guys, <laughs> And most of all the rest of have their heads sticking out the door watching it because they know what he's going to do. But when I go out there, uh, 
with Andre, you don't see nobody out there because they, they know that he wasn't going to uh, do that with me. <laughs> That's so, good. Anyway, he, he did it with a lot of different guys, and it happened a lot of times in rest. Well, it's, it's it's nice to know that you stuck up for yourself and uh, you gave Andre what he deserved. Um, another question we have for you is that your feud with Hulk Hogan and the WWF. Number one, I wanted to before we go into that, I wanted to state that um, I think it was definitely sad that they did not exploit you uh, more in the WWF because you could have had a much longer and greater run. But at least you stuck around long enough to get an LJN action figure made of you, so that's pretty neat. Uh, we Bruce and I both have one. Um, but let me ask you about your feud with Hulk Hogan. What are your, your thoughts on the feud? What are your thoughts on Hulk Hogan? Uh, at, during that time, uh, you know, for Hogan to be the champion, we had a lot of good matches. They, they were good matches to me. And we drew a lot of fans, a lot of people. We packed a lot of houses, set a lot of records all over. And during that, it was just one main event. And uh, I said for instance, Madison Square Garden. Yes. We was we was selling Madison Square Garden out and just about everywhere else we went, each time we go in there we be the only main event. Now it's been sold out a lot of times since then, but they have, you know, three or four main events. But now working with Hogan it, it was it, it was easy, it was a treat we I mean I love working with him. It was so easy. Well, you know, that's one of um one of the ways that I got introduced to you and um, looking back as an adult, um, because I was a kid during those times, is now and I can truly appreciate what you offered in the ring. Um, I love the the leapfrogs you did over top of Hogan. Um, I love the kicks and I love the splashes. You know, um, being very agile as you were, um, you definitely made the matches enjoyable, and that's one of the uh, notables um, that I personally have uh, for your your matches. Um, who were who were who were your wrestling friends? Who were the wrestlers uh, that you were friends with um, outside of the business uh, that treated you right? The only somebody that I was friend with outside of the business was Coco Beware. Uh, he's the only one in, in in wrestling. You just didn't have a lot of friends. You have a lot of guys that you get along with, but now after we leave that ring. We didn't call each other, uh, you know, like friends or visit each other or nothing like that. Uh, Coco was my only friend. Now, after one of the wives of Moan, uh, him and Sika now, I called them and I consider them as friends, but that's not it. Oh, okay. Okay. We, I've seen a lot of your shoot interviews, have seen the videos that you've done for YouTube. Um, for anybody listening, you can go look at his YouTube videos. Just type in Kamala and Son, or is it Sons? And uh, you can definitely see Kamala doing skits with the son. They're very funny. Um, but one of the things you talk about is the racism in uh, WWF and just in your wrestling career and the allegations of possibly uh, you know, sexual favors. Um, but and, and everybody knows about the match that you did with The Undertaker and how uh, you got not even half of what The Undertaker got for the match, uh, which was the casket match. Um, what are your reflections on those um, those experiences? Well, uh, if I had to do it all over again, I, I wouldn't be a, wouldn't be a wrestler. Uh, when I worked with Undertaker, and I worked with him a lot of times, a lot of a lot of times it wasn't uh, televised. But the SummerSlam '92 was one of my biggest matches with Undertaker. 
And uh, that's when he made all the money, and, you know, which he deserved it now. He deserved it. And that wasn't his fault. When he made that half million dollars and I made the 13, that was a big difference there. That was just throwing me crumbs. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of, it was a lot of racism in the WWF, and it might still be. Because uh, I remember so many times when I was there, you know, I'd get there early and get me a nice dressing room, then they'll put, uh, the agents would come around and put signs on the door for me to, that meant for me to get out and let Hogan or Andre the Giant or Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth, let them have the dressing room. You know, I, I, I was a nothing. When I went out to the ring to work with those guys, I was a superstar. But when I come back, the, 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 the hell I cut behind those doors, you know, and, uh, I think that was real bad. And I remember when I went back in 2001 or two, because it was years before I would even talk to a promoter again about working. And I went back, they called me for the gimmick battle royal. And when I went back, I didn't want to go, but I went on anyway. And I, when I went in the Astrodome, I saw Steve Lombardi, who was my kimchi. He came in and he said, they came up and hugged me, him, the Undertaker. And he said, uh, I said, well, I'm going to get dressed at. Because, see, they, they, you know, I used to have old curtains and things that they would tie up, and they kicked me out of the other dressing room. You're not physically kicked me out, but, you know, they asked me to leave. So Steve told me, hey, hey, James, it ain't like it used to be. You can sit any way you want them now. Uh, that was in 2001 or 2002. Well, that's, um, you know, I know it's never easy to experience something like that. Um it's definitely uh, a nice thing that at least uh, you were able to uh, get some of the respect that was due to you um, before you left this earth and you were able to get that at the WWE. And that's always been a curious thing for me is I, I never understood. Like I heard the horror stories and I never understood um, why you would come back. And, you know, for a lot of the, uh, you know, the matches, like the match you had with Umaga, you know, um, what made you come back for that match? Well, I came back for a few matches, uh, even after that, but they were just, uh, you know, in and right out. No okay. contract, no, uh, no, no nothing. So just in and right out. So I didn't mind doing that. So, uh, you know, and it, it was about the only place to go anyway besides, uh, uh, the independent shows. And then it was to get uh, more publicity anyway. Okay. Your music, anybody that, uh, that has followed you, they know about your music. How did have you always been a music fan? How did you get started with the music? Well, I started doing them myself about eight years ago. I believe it's been about eight years ago. I started doing it myself, but I always did like music, you know. And I, I like I like a lot of country music, but I like a lot of pop too. <laughs> but I like all kinds of music, and I try to sing all kinds. Hey, Namar, I think we have some Kamala that people can see if they if they type in Kamala Sings on YouTube. Let's let's take a listen to this. All the things that went on. Ooh, I would just like the floor sweep of the janitor. Who you could just talk over his head, and it would never be picked up. <laughs> but let me tell you something. I remember it all. You kept me broke when I know I put asses in the seats. But you paid your lovers. The one that go meet to meet your drug test a sham. 
muscular who you won't pass. Hey, Kamala, this is really good stuff. This is really good stuff, and and I don't know if it's all fit for the air, but this is great for anybody that wants to hear your opinions on the business. It's it's an excellent video, and you have it on YouTube. You have it on your sites. I mean, it gives you a true reflection on the business, which I think most fans today that respect the business are going to want to hear. And uh, James Harris, also known as Kamala. James, you're 60 years old now. Do you, do you miss it? Do you miss the business? There's a lot of guys that are 60 years old and are still active in the business. We know a couple that are still active. Is, is, do you miss the business? Do you miss being involved? I don't really miss it. And then again, I do miss it some, but not enough where I'm just sick of it, you know, and just want to get back in it. Uh, I miss I, I, I wish I had a made money where I could retire and, uh, you know, just enjoy life because that's what I worked so hard for all those years. But, I, I, you know, I can't do it because I, I didn't make any money. And if I had made money, I would have invested in the right way, tried to anyway, and saved it. And, you know, I could have enjoyed my golden years. I know that the wrestling business has not been a... Um you know, a wonderful thing for you. Um, but it has afforded you the opportunity to travel around the world. You've seen all parts of the country and even um, on the international circuit. How is it for you, though, to be able to say that you have an action figure? Like, for instance, you were part of the original WWF action figure line that was produced by LJN. You had two figures. One of them is a highly collectible, depending on which version you have of the Hasbro line. And then you have a you have one, a Jack's Classics figure, and you also have a figure that's on the shelf right now. And I see it all the time in Walmart. As a matter of fact, uh, when I leave here, I think I'll go pick it up because I have all of your other figures, so I have to definitely get the new Mattel one. How is it to be able to walk into the stores, though? Because you can walk in any Walmart or Target right now and see a Kamala action figure as part of Mattel's WWE Classics line. How is that for you? Well, when they first uh, started making the, the, the wrestling figures, with, uh, you know, in Miami, it, it felt real good to go in the store because I thought I was going to, um, you know, make some decent money off. But that that first one, I guess that was LJN, that first one, yep. that they made around 87. I never got a dime from it. And uh, all the rest of them that they came out with, uh, you know, I got very little money, very little money from it. I have got as low as a dollar and ninety-seven cent for three months. For three months, you know, from the uh, WWL, you know, for my dogs. So I don't, you know, to go in the, I won't even go in that section because I just hate to see them on the, you know, on the shelf, and I don't get paid for them. Kamala, we talked a lot about some of your your good and bad moments in the industry. Namar asked you about your favorite people in the business. Who is, and besides Andre the Giant, who I guess you had some, some strife with early on and kind of worked through it, who was your least favorite person to work with, aside from Andre, over the years? And, and your years spanned, uh, spanned about 20. My least favorite, you know, I don't... That's a hard question, because I enjoyed working with most of everybody, because I got along so good with them. And, uh, you know, even though if if I have a bad match with some of them, they don't, they don't intend to do it, and they be real humble about it. So I can't, uh, then it could have been me, to, you know, the cause to have a bad match. But I just don't, I, I don't know of any. Hey, um, 
James, have one more, uh, two more questions for you. One is, do you watch the current wrestling product, and what do you think about the wrestling business today, as from a stand uh, fan point standpoint? Excuse me. Yeah, I don't even watch it. I don't even watch wrestling today. Uh, if I go to some of my friends' house, uh, you know, around here, and which that's very seldom that I do, and if they watching wrestling. <clears throat> then I don't have a choice, and 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 then most time I get up and leave, and because it brings back a lot of bad memories. But now one somebody, if I happen to be flipping the channel, if I see them on the see them wrestling, then I stop and watch it, and that's the Undertaker. <laughs> yeah, I love his gimmick, and uh, even though I, I was a long time before he was. I still, I love his gimmick, and I like him. He's a respectable man, and I got along real good with him, and I just enjoy his work. But other than that, I don't, I wouldn't give a penny for the water wrestling. Um, my particular final question, and then I'll end it off with uh, Bruce. Uh, what are your thoughts? Like, how do you reflect on Vince McMahon? <clears throat> Vince McMahon, he have certain people that he'll pay. And the certain people that he get along with and party with, uh, and they'll have to, you know, like I said in one of my so one of my songs, if you get along with Vince, uh, you do have all kind of sexual favors, and you know, and if you're in that kind of environment, uh, then you get along good with him. You 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 part of the uh, 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 how you said the little clans with then, but if you just mind your own business, be there on time like I will. Be there on time, mind you didn't ever start no trouble, nothing like that. Then he, he seemed to have less respect for you. That, that's just like all the drug tests and stuff like that. See, I, I, I don't do drugs. I've never done drugs, and I could, I passed all of the tests and didn't mind taking them. But I know a lot of guys that, you know, they, could, they, they didn't pass the test, but it was wrote down as they passed the test. Because, uh, you know, they was his top guys, and they, he went, you know, they never got fined, and I know what they did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, James, so. I, I, I hate to go back to this, and you don't have to expand upon it if you don't want to, but you said, I mean, you mentioned the drugs, and we all know that drugs and wrestling um, – persisted back in well, today you know especially back in the 80s but also today but you said sexual favors and i just want to ask you what what do you mean by that and and again you don't have to go deeper than than you want to go but what did what, what kind of sexual favors persisted back back in those days uh, i mean uh uh men's with men's uh, that's what i mean men's with men's or young boys and uh you know, uh, Vince got in trouble one time about it. You know, he got in trouble. He had big money, so he paid his way out of it. They even called me asking me about it, so I just didn't have nothing to do with it because it ain't nothing that I knew. And this was all what I had heard. So, anyway, that's what I'm talking about. It was just a, you know, say for instance, look at the Steve Lombardi that broke my ball. Why you think he's been there longer than anybody? He's been, he been there longer than anybody. He's just 47 years old. Wow. So, you know, stuff like that. And then, I, now, it's a few things that I have seen, and uh, but I just hate to go into details about that. Now, we'll, 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 leave, it at, we'll, we'll leave it at that. I don't, I don't want to take you down that road. Um, 
but you know, I definitely think you're you're a true legend in the business. Uh, thegiantkamala.com is the website. You can see all about James Harris, also known as Kamala. And, and James, you were a, uh, a great guest. Uh, it was a pleasure having you on the show, and you're welcome back anytime. Anything that you want to get out to the fans, anything that you're trying to, uh, any message that you're trying to get out? Uh, <clears throat> just buy my music and listen to my music. <laughs> and uh, I guess that's about it. I still write songs and, uh, you know, I sell songs, sell videos and stuff like that. I'm doing videos now, too. And it's all done at home. It's not professionally, but it's, uh, it, it, you know, it's just homemade right here at home. Right. The giant, so. the giant com, and you can see all about Kamala's music. Check him out on YouTube. Check him out on Google. A lot of good stuff. Very entertaining guy. And, and James, thank you so much for spending some time with us this morning. Okay. Thank you, guys. Now, have a good day. All right. Have a good day. Okay. That is James Harris, also known as Kamala, and man, um, very, very interesting things that Mr. Harris had to say about the business. You know, as a um, as a black man, it, it is very touching on a personal level. It, it really is, and it really hits home. Um, and it's a shame because I really liked his character. You know, um, and, and 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 again, you know, a lot of people. Um, have had issues with his character. It really, you know, some people think it set black people back. Um, you know, but even still, even if you look past that, he still was an entertaining character. He was a great heel. And, but then you hear the horror stories and it just takes you back. So it's like, it was, it was bad enough what he was portraying, but then it's second by the fact that, you know, how he was treated so unfairly. And, 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 it, it it really is bittersweet. It was very painful to listen to, exciting because of who he is. Um, but it, it is very sad. It had a touch of sadness to it, it more than a touch of sadness. Yeah, it was a very, very, very uh, – it was a roller coaster of an interview. We'll, yes. we'll say that. All right, guys, let's take a break. Uh, we're way overdue for a break, so let's take a break, and we'll come back on the other side. If you want to sneak into the program on the last 15 minutes, it's 856-227-1360, and uh, the voice of choice is thevoiceofchoiceonline.com. We'll be right back on Ringside Radio. <laughs> 